For those of you who have been with us since the beginning, uh, Josh had a uh, intrepid friend in his dog Olive, who has gone over the Rainbow Bridge just recently. Yeah, yeah, Olive was uh, one of a kind for sure. I've never had a dog like her, and probably never will again. <laughs> she was uh, eighteen years old, right? Yep, almost eighteen. So, so for a dog, that's like an eternity. <laughs> yeah, long, long time. <laughs> And uh, Olive had a younger sister, or has a young, younger sister named Pepper. And Pepper right. is four now, or three? No, Pepper is going to be six. I oh, believe. she's six. She's okay. five, but she's going to be six. We got okay. her a long time ago because we thought Olive was on her way out. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Olive kept on trucking. So. And she, yeah, and Olive just kept going. That's That was Olive. Gotcha. So, Josh, we had caught a side conversation the other day about how the power dynamic has shifted now that Olive is not in the seat of power anymore that she is and exactly I'll, I'll i'll do that uh i'll tell i'll tell you about that when we actually get going but that power dynamic was super crazy and it was weird and i think we just need to talk about power dynamics launch out onto the loop with us today as we discuss that topic on curiosity continue <laughs> everybody, this is Josh. And this is Brian. Welcome to the podcast for Curiosity Continuum. Curiosity Continuum is an industry-innovating, non-traditional company passionate about growing wisdom in the next generation. We are the essential bridge between the analog and the digital worlds by building collaborative communities that unleash the power of adaptive expertise and innovation needed to thrive in the 21st century. We combine a mix of essential elements needed to empower people to succeed in new ways not possible outside of a creative, thoughtful, diverse community of fellow curious people. Follow us on your favorite podcast app to receive notifications of new content. If you like what you hear and you want to dive deeper, please visit us at curiositycontinuum.com. Thanks for tuning in and let's start the conversation. So power dynamics. This this conversation has many tendrils into many things, but Josh, why don't you tell us the the funny example that you shared with me. <laughs> so the example was, I mean, I love the MCU, uh, the Marvel Continuing Universe, and I know Brian does too. And a lot of people just love what Marvel did. But So we've watched all the movies. We've seen all the things. I'm not going to spoil too much, but the thing I, I, I equated it to was after a few days after Olive had passed, I noticed that Pepper was uh, increasingly... Uh, not aggressive, but just asserting her dominance kind of thing. And I equated it to in uh, Thor Ragnarok when Hela comes back that Odin, you know, Odin was Thor's father and he was holding Hela back with his power. And then when he dies, she comes back. And I that is so <laughs> Pepper. Like Olive was just in being present, was holding the reins of the alpha kind of dog, you know? And you can see the pack mentality. When the leader is gone, now she's like, oh, I'm the leader. <laughs> and you have no idea what I'm going to do, you know? <laughs> so funny. What makes this story even funnier, for those of you who are picturing all of what she might look like, she was a miniature yes. pincher. Yes, she was and, a 20-pound miniature pincher, and she dominated any dog that she came across. It didn't matter if it was a big, small dog. We have, my in-laws have a, a Labrador, uh, a Labradoodle, and that dog, when that dog was six weeks old, Olive rode that dog like a little pony 
And <laughs> that dog forever gave respect to Olive. If Olive got up, that dog went and sat down. It was like parting the Red Sea when that dog came through. Every dog around her just sat down. It was just so weird. It's funny. Yeah. Olive got a little bit calmer. Mm -hmm. Maybe she just got tired at the end of her life. Yeah. She always, uh, her and I had a little bit of a tenuous relationship. Kind of like what I had with my (laughs) pet cat, Mindy, growing up. Yes. It was like, you know. But what was so interesting about that, even when uh, in the last days that Olive had on this earth, she was had was losing her sight and, you know, um, hard for her to get around and stuff in Josh's home. And Pepper, so now Pepper is a teacup miniature pincher, yes. so, right? So she's she's, half she's the size seven pounds, yeah. Yeah. So soaking wet with a you know, <laughs> dollar full of change in her pocket. And, and, and a sweater on. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. She um so that dynamic still like here's the matriarch moving along and still not you know, still around and Pepper paid her that respect. Right. I think about some of the things that have happened in the world stage. Now, depending on what place in history that you grew up in or remember, there are shifts of power. Now, when you talk about elections in like the United States, that's one thing. But then you talk about something like Haiti where, man, there's like a military coup or you go, or the pre- or a president was assassinated and, or a matri or a, you know, a King or queen was there. I mean, that's really what it was kind of like with Olive. Like she was the queen and everyone bows down, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so with, uh, can you give the example too, just of um, what the dogs did when you were caring for your in-laws dogs to go outside? Oh, sure. So like, okay. So man, my in-laws have two dogs. They have a Labradoodle, which is about 65 pounds. And they have like a Maltese Bichon Freeze mix type dog that's about, he's a little chunk. He's like 23 pounds, 24 pounds, but he's much smaller, right? Excuse me. So when we would care for them when they went on vacation or whatever. And we and my wife, Melanie, would be like, okay, it's time for all the dogs to go out. And the dogs would line up at the door, but Olive was slower and older. And she would come, she would get up from her like slumber, basically, start moving towards the door. All the other dogs just sat down. And then Olive would go out and they just waited. And when you came back in, you unhooked Olive from the leash. And then Oz was right there. And Oz was the next oldest dog. And he would be there and you would take him out. You'd bring him in. Then Teddy, who's the next oldest dog, you'd take him out. And then you'd have to go wrangle Pepper up from somewhere and <laughs> whatever she was doing. But very rare was she by the door. But she was like the young one, you know? And you totally saw this dynamic of the age and they gave respect to the older ones and it was it's actually really interesting i i found it like i'm like wow they just know they have their own little society kind of and it worked yeah it worked for them and what was interesting i think when josh said that he was saying here's some of the changes in pepper i began to think about some human relationships where that happens yes uh, yep. We recently, I recently had a friend who lost uh, his dad and his dad was 84 years old. And so tough on the family, even though he right. was older, had some health things. It was a, you know, something that wasn't expected. It kind of came on in a, a way that wasn't expected. And then there's the sibling dynamics to try to work that out and, and go through a tough time. Right. And then you see all of a sudden everything changes. Like, whose role is it to care for mom? Whose role is it now to do this? What are you taking care of? 
And you feel that vacuum. I remember when my dad, he passed of ALS in 2008. Yeah, quite a while um, ago. And yeah. Quite a while ago now. Yeah. And he, when I remember, uh, he, he passed away in the home, so he, we had hospice in. His desire was that he would never have to spend a day in bed, like bedridden, because he couldn't sit up anymore. And the day that he passed was actually the day he would have spent the first day in bed. He couldn't sit up in his chair anymore. When he was uh, carried away by the coroner in the hometown I was in, I remember I sat in his chair afterward, and we had some friends over and some family just right afterward, after my dad had been uh, taken away. I remember sitting in his chair. Now, he hadn't sat in his chair since uh, the night before, but I remember sitting there, and I just remember feeling this void, not only because my dad had literally left the building, left the earth, but because that power had shifted. Yeah. And I think as a son, I'm an only child, I felt that mantle almost like, oh, now there are things that because he is gone that I'm shouldering in part, not in the same way because my mom is still on the earth. Sometimes those things aren't understood until you're Until they happen, yeah. But sometimes until they happen. But I think in those instances also, if we talk about more controllable things, and I say that like if there's change of, power in a business or there's some other type of thing you should be preparing people for the mantle of leadership when the power dynamics change and part of assessing it is understanding how people's own power interacts with others because nobody has power in a no vacuum and power is given by those around us right like we don't really have the power it's those around us giving us the power so like the president for example is voted in is given the power by the constitution those are all the those are the things everybody like votes for right so you have to understand that that the person that's in power should be grooming or at least talking to their you know trying to get people involved in the process and understanding like nobody really i don't think anybody really is ready sometimes for the power you know it's just kind of thrust up on you a little bit. Unless you're, unless you're Prince Adam putting the He-Man, then he is really, Yeah. And he is the one that has the power. But you know what I mean, though, Brian? Like, I don't think, like, like once you, like, for example, like, your dad passes, and all of a sudden now you've got a much larger role in your family to play. Even though you yes. knew it's coming, you're still not 100% prepared for it. But being aware of it is the, is the main thing here. Be aware that it's going to happen. Like I had this conversation with my mom recently, actually yesterday, a very kind of hard conversation to have. And a lot of it has to do with COVID going around and my parents are getting older, you know, like my parents moved by me recently, which I am ecstatic about because I love my parents close. And my mom was saying that, you know, to my dad before they moved closer to me that we, well, we're not going to be here forever. And the book, you know, one of the book, we got to live by one of the boys. And I have two, I have two younger brothers and I just happen to live in the place that they chose because Florida is so nice (laughs) and I got lucky, (laughs) but I like that because that showed me that my parents were at least thinking that it's going to happen eventually and stuff is going to happen where they might need help or they might need family around. And so I like that idea that that's what my mom and dad were thinking. That it's not just like oh they just up and moved just just to move you know that that's a it's a consideration thing and so like 
when I think of the that particular instance, I see that Josh, they afforded you trust to go. This is the even though you've used the term geographic coincidence yep. <laughs> like yep. that, or convenience <laughs> yep. before, you know, to be where they want to be. But they could have moved and they chose there. You know, those types of power decisions actually kind of peck at your self-sufficiency. I don't mean that in any kind of prideful sort of way. Right. What I mean is when you're an able-bodied person and you're able to just do your life and then you come to a point when you can't do your life the same way, you can't maybe drive, you can't do the things you used to do. And for some folks, that means that there's uh, you move in with your children, you move into an assisted living home or something like Correct. that. Correct, yep. There's many different kinds of care situations. Part of the power feeling that is feeling your own self-sufficiency and your own boundaries. Sometimes when you have to give that power away, you feel like you're giving away part of yourself. Your value doesn't change just because your power has changed. It means that your dynamic has shifted. Because you might perceive yourself giving up power maybe that maybe people don't want to do that. I think that's a lot of reason I think that people stay in certain positions longer than maybe they need to or they do things when they're older that they really shouldn't do is because they feel that they're less of a person for like wanting to shift that responsibility to someone younger or more able or whatever it happens to be. Like Brian said, if you're having a problem moving around, a lot of people, you know, we're, we're prideful people and we hate getting help for stuff, but sometimes you just need it. And there's no shame in that. And I think like, if you're a person that has influence over others, and I think everybody has influence over others in different ways, it's not always like, oh, I'm in charge of you. You know, I'm not, but you're in a family dynamic or whatever. It really becomes apparent when you get younger family members, for example, like you have nieces and nephews or kids that they look at you like you're supposed to know it, right? You're supposed to do it. And so I think that knowing that you need to prepare somebody to be the leader, to be the person, to be the thing, you know? I mean, that's the whole thing what life is about, right? Life is about giving others the opportunity to do stuff. And so if you don't ever take anything else away from this, I think just take away that it's okay to give up some of that power because that's the way it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to have it forever. Yeah, exactly, man. And, you know, when you're talking about that, I'm also thinking about self-restraint that happens when you know you have power and you're not just letting it bleed all over the place. There's a focus and a, and a self-discipline that happens with that. Sometimes like, like, so Pepper's going through this whole thing of like, I feel my power and she's feeling the edges. of. <laughs> it's like you as a teenager. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to a musician friend who's also a bass player like me. And I've used this example before, but when we were talking about band situations and I've noticed this even like on the, especially for like world-class musicians, that when you're playing in a, a group of any size of ensemble, it is a series of compromises mm -hmm. that everybody makes. And I notice this especially in seasoned musicians, somebody like an Eric Clapton, somebody like a, I mean, name like a, like a John Mayer or other world-class musicians like you would know. When they are gracious to one another, they're not saying everything they could say on the instrument. They are not filling up every single bar with right. something that they're saying. They're affording everybody a turn to contribute what they have to say. And that means that the power is yes. constrained. It also means, too, that for like for the rhythm section that may be supporting them, 
there's setting a context by which that power is finding its momentum. And so when we, when Josh has said, don't be afraid, like to give that power away because that's how it should be. Realize that you're not less powerful because you chose to restrain yourself. Right. Because that actually is very powerful. Right. And I'll have another example real quick too, is that I'm part of a union and we have a, a hierarchy structure, right? So people become stewards and they become officers, then they retire and then there's new people, right? We always have kind of a saying, like always find who's coming after you. When you're in, when you're in the position of power, you should be looking for that person that's going to come next to help them, like find somebody to elevate because it's not always about tamping everybody down, but it's about elevating everyone else. And so if someone's like higher than you or socially higher than you, it's not always about saying, Hey, I'm going to push you down. So you're at everyone else's level. Why don't we just bring everyone else up to our level? So we're all here. So no one's losing anything in that. And that's like, I think a really awesome thing to think about. Absolutely. I think with that thought, why don't we put a comma right here, Josh? Sure. Why not? So folks, until next time, this is Brian. This is Josh. For Curiosity Continuum.